Welcome back. I'm so happy to have you with me today to discuss yet another case. If you're new, then welcome. Be sure to subscribe. So today's case is another one that is still very much developing. This happened very recently at the start of 2023, and we're going to be talking about a person who is missing but believed to have been murdered Hannah Wells. I will warn you, this case is horrific. The details are very disturbing, so please proceed with caution. Hannah Wells Hannah Lubas was born on April 13, 1983, in Belgrade, Serbia, to her mother, Melanie, and her father, whose name has not been released. To the best of my knowledge, she only has one sibling, a sister named Zandra. Hannah's early life was spent in Belgrade, where she attended school all the way through college. Then, she went to the University of Belgrade and earned her bachelor's degree in French and literature. If there's one thing that you need to know about Hannah, beyond just being a wonderful human and an amazing mother, she was a very hard-working, driven person. She immigrated to the United States from Serbia in 2005 and really achieved what many would call the American dream. Hannah was a dual citizen between the U.S. and Serbia, but her adult life was pretty much consumed by her work in America. She began her career in hospitality in 2005, working as a housekeeping attendant at the Inn in Little Washington. Within a year, she moved on to become a server there. I believe it was at this job that Hannah met and married her first husband, Mike Nips. In 2007, she and Mike moved to New York City, where she worked as a program logistics coordinator. One year later, she got a job working as a reservation manager at the Wheatley Hotel in Lenox, Massachusetts. It was in Lenox that Hannah met her future second husband, Ryan Wells. She was still married when she met Ryan, but she did say that it was love at first sight with him, even though the two of them didn't begin dating until a couple of years later in 2014. In the years between the time that they met and when they started dating, Hannah kept working on pursuing her career, and she even got a master's certificate in the essentials of hospitality management from Cornell University. After divorcing her first husband in 2014, she became the front office director for a hotel in Boston, all while falling deeply in love with Ryan Wells. Marriage Life Ryan and Hannah ended up getting married on December 21st, 2015 at the Emmanuel Episcopal Church in Boston, and began what she had hoped to be a lifetime of love and happiness, after they got married. Hannah never shied away from achieving her goals and wanted to build the best life possible for her family she did, make her life pretty public on social media where she often posted about what she was doing and what was on the horizon. From 2017 to 2022, Hannah continued her work in the hospitality industry and held the title director at a variety of different hotels primarily in the Boston area. But then, in February of 2022, she took a job as a regional manager at a real estate firm called Tishman Speyer, and she began splitting her time between Boston and Washington, D.C., which, as you can imagine, was a lot of work. But it was exciting and she loved her job. It was hard for Hannah to be away from her husband and her kids, especially the kids. Hannah was an amazing mother and very involved with her children as much as she could be as a working mom. But at the same time, she loved being able to provide for her family. Now, you might be wondering if Hannah was working full-time and splitting her time between two states, what was her husband doing? Ryan Wells Well, Ryan wasn't doing much because he was on house arrest. 
He was on house arrest after he pleaded guilty to federal fraud charges back in 2018. Specifically, Ryan pled guilty to one count each of wire fraud, interstate transport of stolen property for a scheme to defraud, possession of converted goods, and unlawful monetary transactions. First of all, Ryan could not be more different than his wife, Hannah. The two of them seemed like complete opposites to me. I'm not sure what things they had in common, but it definitely wasn't the way that people described them. Ryan introduced Seth to several art dealers who, in 2007, helped Seth purchase several very expensive and famous pieces of art. Seth kept in contact with one of these art dealers in particular, who reached out to him in 2012 asking if he was interested in purchasing two Andy Warhol shadow paintings, and it turns out he was interested. Ryan, who was also a big fan of Warhol, learned about this transaction and was actually with Seth when he got the paintings. It's unclear exactly how much time had passed, but after Seth had gotten these paintings, Ryan reached back out to him with a business proposal of sorts. He told him that he could sell the two Warhol paintings, in addition to a few other paintings that he owned and could make Seth a lot of money. Now, Seth says that he wasn't very interested in selling the paintings at first, but Ryan was pretty damn convincing so he agreed and he was under the impression that Rhino would make him lots of money doing this. When Ryan came to collect the two shadow paintings, he also took two prints by the artist Keith Horing, a Warhol dollar sign print and a porcelain statue from the Tang Dynasty. From what I can tell, it sounds like Seth was under the impression that Ryan already had some buyers in mind, at least for some of the art, so he figured things would happen very quickly. But after weeks and then months went by, and he never heard from Ryan, Seth tried reaching out to see what the status was on selling the art. He tried texting, calling, and emailing Ryan, but he was never able to get a hold of him and keep in mind, Seth is his friend. Seth ended up being so fed up with not being able to reach Ryan and could tell he was ghosting him, so he ended up reaching out to another mutual friend of theirs to see if maybe he could check in with Ryan and get a hold of him. So this friend was able to get in touch with Ryan, and Ryan just told him that he hadn't been able to find any buyers for the art, so he was planning on returning it. Now, since Seth wasn't even wanting to sell the art in the first place and just kind of agreed to let Ryan do it because he was going to make him tons of money, this was fine and dandy for him, and he and Ryan were supposed to be finding a time that they can meet up so he could give him the art. Back, back. But Ryan started to flake on every plan they made, and because of this, Seth and that other mutual friend had to get another mutual friend involved, this time someone who knew where Ryan lived so they could just go pick up the art themselves. And when they went over to get the art, Ryan handed over everything except the two Warhol shadow paintings. Now, I'm not sure if this friend knew that Ryan was keeping these two Warhol paintings or knew exactly what he was supposed to be getting, but it was clear that now Ryan was stealing this art from his friend. Obviously, this is horrible. These paintings are worth a lot, but if you ask me, stealing is some of the least horrible things that Ryan Wells has done. Still horrible, of course, but trust me, it gets much, much worse. So moving on to 2016, an eBay seller with the name and Sally 2012 made a listing for two Warhol shadow paintings priced at $100,000 for the pair. In the listing, the seller, who was later determined to be Ryan, as you could probably guess, stated that he overpaid terribly for these pieces back in 2007. 
After paying $240,000 for the pair, he... Ryan was using Hannah's name, but even if it was Hannah, she was never charged with anything or accused of being involved in this scheme. They did, however, agree to do the transaction outside of eBay to avoid paying any fees. The buyer signed a contract saying that they had three days after the purchase to change their mind about the artwork and return it for a full refund. So, on November 7, 2016, the buyer flew their assistant to Boston to meet up with Ryan and make the exchange. The assistant had a cashier's check for $80,000, and they met with Ryan in a hotel lobby to make the exchange. But before handing over the money, the assistant wanted to do a quick inspection of the art just to make sure everything was as advertised and, most importantly, check that the artwork had that official Warhol Foundation stamp of authentication. And what do you know? They couldn't actually see the stamp because it was behind these large frames that Ryan put the artwork in just to be cautious. The assistant sent the buyer Rob a photo of the art and he said, Don't worry about it. Go through the transaction and we will check it the following day. Of course, he's under the impression that he has time to make a return for a full refund. And a big old shocker here on November 8th when they took the shadow paintings out of the frame, they saw that there was no stamp of authentication. And not only that, they looked like new canvases and new staples. And upon deeper inspection, Rob was able to see that these paintings did not look exactly like the paintings in the listing on eBay. So, of course, they began taking steps to return the items for a full refund as stated in their contract. But of course, Ryan was on some, some, sure you're not shocked to hear that he just ghosted. So, Rob somehow was able to contact Ryan's mother who immediately replied and basically said she wasn't responsible for what her son did, but that Ryan would be contacting them within a few days to resolve the issue. And another big shocker here, no response after a few days. So, Rob ends up getting in touch with Hannah via her work number and asks her to get involved. Finally, on November 16, 2016, 2016, Ryan emails Rob back basically making a bunch of excuses as to why he couldn't reach him sooner. He ultimately said he'd happily return the money as soon as the paintings themselves were brought back, which sounded really positive at first. I'm sure Rob was thinking, okay, this took a while, but at least this guy is going to give me my money back without another problem. But sadly, he was very mistaken. Weeks went by and the money still hadn't been returned. And Ryan said he'd be sending the money back in smaller installments, and every time he said there was an installment on the way, it just never came. And of course, every time Ryan had an excuse. And in the end, only 30,000 of the 80,000 of the 80,000 total was actually returned. So that's when Rob got the FBI involved. Clearly at that point, he knew there was some scheme going on here. FBI is involved. With the help of the FBI, Ryan was caught and charged for his crimes. So even though all of this went down years ago, Ryan had still not received a sentence. From 2018 to 2023, Ryan was on house arrest, and of course he was required to wear an ankle bracelet at all times. But the device that he wore wasn't like the ones that you might think. He wasn't completely confined to his home, and the device didn't have a GPS monitoring system. Ryan was basically allowed to have exceptions to his home confinement as long as he got them approved in advance. So for example, if he wanted to leave and go to the grocery store, he could do that as long as it was approved. 
This device used radio frequencies to alert the police when he did leave his home, but it wouldn't say where he went. Now, I couldn't really figure out why it was taking so long for this fraud case to move forward. Maybe the pandemic slowed things down, I'm not really sure. But because of it, Ryan was still living at his Cohasset home as recently as January 1st, 2023. A little side note here, Hannah did contact the judge and asked for leniency in his case. But again, I'm not sure why things were moving so slowly. Ryan had a very strained relationship with his parents, especially his father. In 2019, he entered a legal dispute because he was accused of destroying his father's will to gain access to his assets. Ryan's father, Dr. Theodore Wells, was a neurosurgeon at Brigham and Women's Hospital before he retired and made a good life for himself. And even though he was Ryan's biological father, like I said, the two of them had a very rocky relationship and they had zero contact with each other whatsoever. So when Theodore died, Ryan, of course, being the thief he was, swooped in and started trying to sell off his father's items. But Theodore's closest friends, two friends of his, wanted to do something to stop this. Of course, these friends named Jack Steen and Phil Tora filed a motion in court to stop Ryan from stealing his father's assets. And they alleged that Ryan actually destroyed the will in order to gain access to these assets, even though he knew his father had left him nothing. And what's interesting is that the only reason people knew that Theodore even had a will is because Phil had taken a picture of it before Ryan destroyed it. In the will, Theodore writes, I hereby bequeath to Ryan B. Wells my best wishes, but nothing else from my estate. 